Archiver is made possible by a grant from the Kansas Humanities Council and is a member of the Fountain City Frequency family of podcasts. If you've seen the movie In Cold Blood, and since you're listening to Archiver, there's a pretty good chance that you have, you might recognize that music as part of the Quincy Jones soundtrack for the 1967 movie. The murder of the Clutter family on November 15, 1959, in tiny Holcomb, Kansas, which is just outside Garden City in the southwest corner of the state, is certainly the state's most famous homicides. In Cold Blood, author Truman Capote made millions and put Holcomb on the map. The film was nominated for four Academy Awards, including the Quincy Jones score, and made the killers, Perry Smith and Dick Hickok, among the best-known criminals in American history. The film was shot on location, not just in Kansas, but it followed the footsteps of the killers and the cops. Kansas City. The film company moves here because it was from this bus terminal that the real Perry Smith made a crucial telephone call. The real Dick Hickok stopped at this gas station on the way to the fateful meeting with his partner. In this store, the killers bought the rope and tape with which they bound and gagged their victims. The relentless pursuit of authenticity leads cast and crew to the actual city streets. In this courtroom, they were tried for murder, and seven of the jurors are the actual men who decided their fate. The crime depicted in In Cold Blood took place inside this house. It is reenacted inside this house so that the motion picture itself becomes a terrifyingly true story of our generation. A generation both repelled and attracted by violence. While the Clutter murders are the best known in Kansas history, they aren't the most infamous and certainly not the most bizarre. And the death penalty? Kansas has always struggled with that. The podcast is Archiver. The episode, Kansas Killers, and our rocky relationship with capital punishment. Me, I'm your host, Sam Zeff. So Smith and Hickok used a shotgun to kill the four clutters in their farmhouse. The two thought there was a safe full of money, but there wasn't. They got away with a little cash and a radio. The crime would be shocking today, but it's hard to describe just how shocking it was in 1959. That's what brought the famous Truman Capote and the soon-to-be-famous Harper Lee to Holcomb to write about the crime. Smith and Hickok would be captured in Vegas on December 30th, about six weeks after the murders. Things moved quickly. By March, they were convicted and given a mandatory sentence of death. Five years later, they were hanged in Lansing. First Hickok, who took 20 minutes to die, and then Smith. In 1935, Governor Alf Landon signed a new death penalty law in response, no doubt, to Midwestern gangs like Ma Barker and her boys and Bonnie and Clyde, who were robbing banks and killing cops. That's also part of the reason the state created the Kansas Bureau of Investigation. The KBI, of course, would get most of the credit for capturing Hickok and Smith. But it would take nine years before anyone in Kansas was hanged. Between 1944 and 1954, there were 10 executions until Governor George Docking was elected. He refused to sign death warrants because he was morally opposed to capital punishment. 
His successor, John Anderson, a Johnson County lawyer and former state attorney general, had no such concerns and signed the death warrants for Hickok and Smith and the last two men to be hanged in Kansas. Three months after Hickok and Smith were executed, George Ronald York and James Douglas Latham were hanged after a seven-state crime spree where they killed nine people, one in Wallace, Kansas, near the Colorado line. There have been many other grisly and bizarre murders in Kansas, the BTK killings in Wichita between 1974 and 1991, John Robinson, who killed at least eight women and stuffed several of them into barrels and buried them on his farm in Lacine, and the Reverend Tom Bird from Emporia, convicted of having his wife killed, as they say, after he got involved with a woman in his church. They made a movie about that, too. It took place in a sleepy Midwest town. It was a crime beyond belief. Murder ordained a true story of uncontrolled passion. But Virgil Dean says those aren't even close to the most infamous. You have a favorite serial killer in Kansas? <laughs> That's I don't like that way you put that. <laughs> the 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 one that uh, the one that most Kansas historians or or people that are interested in Kansas history have spent a lot of time looking at because it's uh, there's a lot of mystery involved uh, is the, uh, the Bender family in the 1870s 1871 and 72 I think was their big their high high point of their of their career they yeah, lived in, everybody's got a peak in their career yeah they they did and uh, they were kind of uh, running a oh I don't know if it was a boarding house but it's kind of a way station grocery store place where somebody could stop and get something to eat. Uh, Kate Bender, who becomes the most famous, uh, was reportedly a, a, a relatively attractive young woman of uh, late teens, early 20s. And uh, she would kind of disarm the people a little bit. They would get them up against a, 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 a canvas parti- partition in their, to their, their cabin, and then somebody would whack them on the head with a hammer, uh, slit their throat, and then they would relieve them of all the possessions that they had. And it's probably for sure 20-some, a couple dozen people that they killed that they actually found bodies for when they, when they, when they got on to what the Benders were doing. Uh, maybe some people claimed as many as 150. Uh, so it's, uh, it could be huge. It was still very uh, uh, a lot, a lot of people. Uh, interestingly, uh, the story goes that they just kind of disappeared. But uh, it remains a mystery, and for years and years, there were, like there are Elvis sightings, or there were Elvis sightings, there were Bender sightings all over the country and the world. I want to talk about the history of capital punishment uh, in Kansas. Uh, The last time Kansas executed anybody, uh, they hanged them. Before that, there was, uh, we had the death penalty, we didn't have the death penalty, we had the death penalty. So walk me through that. Yeah, when Kansas became a state in 1861, the um, legislature provided for uh, death by hanging for capital capital crimes, murder in the first degree, basically, is what it always amounts to. Just shortly after that, the law was changed uh, so that you still had the death penalty, but it, you had to hold the person in prison for a year at hard labor before that sentence could be carried out. And at that point, only it could only be carried out if governor signed off on it, so it signed the death warrant. 
And interestingly, no governor was willing to do that between the year 18, I think it was 1873 or 74, and uh, 1907. So all that time, there were, there were no executions in Kansas. Then in 1907, uh, the, the uh, provision for the death penalty for capital crimes was actually repealed, and it wasn't until 1935 that that was brought back. So th- there's that, like, 70-year period or so, because it's, then it's brought back in 35, but nobody's executed until 1944. So there's, a, like, a 70-year period where there are actually no uh, legal executions in Kansas. Uh, curiously, maybe not curiously, but and, and certainly unfortunately, there were quite a number of uh, vigilante-type hangings or lynchings during that period. Um, not as many as there were other places, but the 19th century um, was a, a time when that wasn't uncommon either. Was the reluctance to use the death penalty in Kansas part of a progressive movement at that time? Yeah, I think so. It was reflective of an attitude that was changing in the the middle of the 19th century with regard to to capital crimes and just um, taking of life in general. Uh, There's a more progressive reform, penal reform attitude that's coming up even before the Civil War where there's a lot of effort to at emphasizing reform, rehabilitation as opposed to punishment. And so I think that carries over, that washes over into the treatment of capital crime as well. And then by the early 20th century, of course, it's certainly a part of the, this progressive attitude that is uh, very much uh, impacting Kansas in the way political leaders are, are thinking about these, these and other issues. So Kansas had the death penalty. It didn't. It did. It didn't. And it's been 52 years since the state has executed anyone. And the death penalty is no less political or controversial right now. So political, in fact, it's been a prominent feature of the last two elections in Kansas. Here's a TV ad from 2014 when Governor Sam Brownback was running for re-election. He was in a very tight race with Democrat Paul Davis. So he turned to the Carr brothers from Wichita, convicted of killing five people in a crime spree in 2000. Remember the Carr brothers? Five savage murders. Caught, prosecuted, death row. Then liberal judges in Topeka changed that. And Paul Davis stands with these liberal judges who let the Carr brothers off the hook. Davis supported and defended these judges. One judge even held a Paul Davis fundraiser. Governors appoint these judges. Paul Davis, liberal defense lawyer favoring liberal judges, or Sam Brownback, who appoints tough judges. Brownback, because it matters a lot. Brownback would win re-election, but in 2016, there was an expensive campaign to oust four state Supreme Court justices because they blocked the car's death sentences on procedural grounds. The U.S. Supreme Court would eventually reinstate the death sentences. None of the justices were, in fact, ousted in the retention election. So I asked Micah Kubik from the ACLU what happens next. 
I think it's very clear that Kansans have long been very skeptical about the death penalty. Uh, and that's why the death penalty has been abolished on multiple occasions in Kansas. I think that was also borne out uh, in a public opinion poll that we commissioned at the ACLU of Kansas uh, earlier uh, in 2016 uh, that found very clear support for an alternative to the death penalty. When given the option, more people supported the idea of life imprisonment without parole than supported the death penalty. Fact is, even without much change to laws around the country, the death penalty is falling out of favor. Ten years ago, there were 53 executions in the U.S., last year just 20. Oddly, or maybe not, all were in the South except for one in Missouri. All were by lethal injection. But there are still plenty of people on death row, 10 in Kansas, 26 in Missouri, a couple in Kansas, are close to running out of appeals, which is why Kubik says this legislative session is so important. Uh, I do think, however, that there will be uh, another effort to repeal uh, the death penalty legislatively. Keep in mind, just a few years ago, uh, in, in frankly a more conservative time, uh, they were just one vote away from getting repeal in the state Senate, right? I, defeated by just one vote. Uh, I think there's a very strong coalition for repeal in Kansas. Uh, you add into that that there have been a number of high-profile exonerations that have happened over the last couple of years, including one here in Kansas just uh, a few months ago. Fortunately, fortunately, that individual, Floyd Bledsoe, was not sentenced to death, uh, but he was exonerated nonetheless. He, he was convicted of a murder, was going to spend the rest of his life in prison, and it's only through sort of sheer technical ephemera that he didn't get the death penalty in the first place, right? It's not that there was any doubt by prosecutors or the judges or others that he had committed the crime when there should have been. He didn't do it. And I think those sorts of stories add to this sense uh, that the death penalty uh, is not right for Kansas. It's not right for the country uh, on all of those grounds. It is not a, uh, you know, we can repeal the death penalty as a policy. We can't repeal a death sentence once it's enacted. The arguments against capital punishment, as Kubik said, are numerous. Because of the lengthy appeals, it took an average of 19 years for those executed in 2016 to have their sentences carried out. It's much more expensive. There's the moral argument against the state killing someone, and the simple fact that mistakes are not an option, and we know mistakes happen. But I'll leave you with the simple reason given by former Governor George Docking, who lost his bid for a third term in 1960, many believe, because of his opposition to the death penalty. Docking's reason, he said, I just don't like killing people. And that's Archiver. The podcast is produced by Matt Hodap in the studios of KCUR 89.3 in Kansas City and is made possible by a grant from the Kansas Humanities Council. Thanks to Micah Kubik from the ACLU for sharing his thoughts. Archiver is a co-production of Fountain City Frequency and Do Good Productions, where Nancy Seelan is executive producer. You can see pictures from the clutter killings and all of the other Kansas killings we talked about at fountaincityfrequency.com. For my favorite Kansas historian, Virgil Dean, I'm Sam Zeff. I'll see you on the next Archiver.